That is the question we are looking to find answers to. Our mission is to explore the unknown and to communicate with those who are no longer with us in this dimension. To truly understand, is there life after death? This is the Parasite Experience. Hi everyone, welcome to the Parasite Podcast. This is where we talk about our thoughts, our ideas, our methods, and our investigations. I'm Anthony M. As you know, I like to have some level of anonymity. I'm Jenny Colucci. And I'm Matt Vizinski. Welcome, Matt. He's not Frankie, he's Matt. <laughs> if you're expecting Frankie, we fooled you. And we get we get Matt tonight, special guest. Actually, our first guest. Yes, our first so, guest. There you Congratulations. Go. <laughs> Your prize is our uh, our glowing praise. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we are going to discuss intelligent versus re- residual hauntings. I actually made up a group of questions, and I actually threw those questions out there on our Facebook page. So some of the people who responded, we're gonna. We're uh, going to highlight some of their answers as well. So the first question, it's actually like a two-part question, is what is a residual haunting and what is an intelligent haunting? The thing that would make this a little bit more difficult, I want those answers to be independent of each other. So instead of comparing an intelligent to a residual haunting, kind of letting your own answers stand on on uh, on their own. I thought about a bunch of these questions, and unfortunately, this was probably the one that I put the least amount of thought in. <laughs> I don't even think I at this point I can define one without the other, but I'll give it a shot. The way that I would distinguish an intelligent haunting is there's some sort of communication with a consciousness that responds to our actions. I think that's the best way that I could put it. There's a consciousness. What it might be, we don't know, but it's it's either reacting to our actions or answering our questions. As far as a residual, think of a residual haunting, and sometimes it can't even be. Sometimes it might not even be a haunting, but almost just like sort of a, an echo or or a tape being played back. You're getting the same actions uh, repeatedly, I don't know, over a certain time frame that doesn't respond to you. You know, you bring up a good point. Maybe we should start with what constitutes a haunting because I thought the same thing with residual hauntings. We call it haunting, but you know, what's really the definition of haunting? I looked up the definition of haunting. Honestly, it was disappointing. It was kind (laughs) of like, there's a ghost and you see it (laughs) type of thing. Like it really was kind of a lame definition in the dictionary, but really, is it a haunting? Like you say, you know, like, is that something we can really call it? I mean, we can, we can get technical. We can start to talk about stone cake theory and all that. Paranormal investigators know all about it. But I was talking to Matt about this earlier. It's like, how much do we really know? There's there are these ideas that get perpetuated, all you know, in books and TV shows and word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Do we really Mm -hmm. know any of this? With intelligent, I was thinking, does it really require that communication, or could it just be that it's some kind of intelligent communication? You were saying something that we we could talk to or hear from or something like that. But I wonder if it even requires that. You know, if something if we get, say, an EVP that says, you know, 1776 and we're in Philadelphia, you know, right. it, it doesn't mean that we're interacting, but it's intelligent, right? Because we know what happened there. So. Right. I mean, and again, it's just going back into how much 
we don't know. I think it's easier to say that it's something intelligent when there's a reaction, when there's almost like a an exchange. Right, but it doesn't require one. As no, what I'm no. Right. I have a lot more experience with residual than intelligent. Okay. We talk about energy a lot right. in the field, right? A lot. Um, and Anthony and I have had a lot of conversations about consciousness and how <laughs> consciousness travels, perhaps, in all these theories. But, um, you know, if there is such a thing as consciousness and it can travel, where does it go? Right. right. Um, so there's that. And also, um, you know, somebody like Matt is a perfect person to answer this because he does perceive these energies. So, you know, where do they come from? Where are they stored? All that. Like, I would love to hear what Matt thinks about that. Okay. I'm just going to start from like experience with the like residual side of it. A lot of times, even like footsteps, it's like somebody's energy was imprinted in a certain time. Right. And it might've been like their most fond memory, or it might've been the one memory that most impacted their life. And it's like a record just going. And a lot of times, like, no matter where I go, I seem to strike up, I can't say like old feelings, but like I can go somewhere and it's like, I feel what happened in that place. And then like, somebody will say, yeah, there's always a guy that is seen going from left to right. And I'm like, it's funny. When I first got here, I saw that same thing. Right. Wow. If it's a different wow. haunting, as Jenny would say, like, it's very lame term as they put it, but like, yeah. That could have been that guy's last thing 50 years ago, and it happened on that same month over and over and over and over again. You just happen to catch it, and it's just residual. It happens all the time, and it doesn't interact. It just right. seems there, and it doesn't take no like consciousness. It's just right. it's like, it's like watching a rerun of a TV show. Right. right, exactly. But do you think it requires some kind of trauma or a big event to happen, or can it just be, hey, I came home every day at 5 o'clock. Uncle Joe came home at 5 o'clock every day. I and just, now I, we hear that door every day at five o'clock. Yeah, I just think it's just like to me, I believe like repetitive. it's repetitive. It's just an energy imprint and that's okay. It just doesn't require like a trauma or a murder or right. Like say if somebody lives somewhere for forty years and they love that house. That like like that like the Melnick house we had where right. the, the yes. guy, I lived there for a long time and that was his place and he loved that tree out front. Mm-hmm. Right. He was just fond of that tree for however many years that was there. So there might be, you know, a residual of a guy standing in the front yard looking at this tree. That's just, right. and people might, you know, say the same thing. And a lot of times going other places and actually having something that's an intelligent haunting. Like if you say, you know, can you knock three times and something knock times? Right. Or it doesn't necessarily have to be intelligent to correspond. It's just, you know, you're asking, it's doing. Yeah. It could, you know, it could be anything answering you back. I mean, it's just like, you know, the universe, you put right. your energy out, you're going to get energy back. Yeah, right. to, me, to me, it's a little conflicting because I've had a lot of darker, weird things right. happen. It, we should it's, probably it, say, because Matt is new, that Matt is a sensitive. Yeah, as far as residual, I, it's, it's such a black and white with that. You know, it only has to happen like a few times. And they, even like little kids, they can see, hey, mom, there's the man in the corner. And that old yeah. man's been in that corner for the last hundred years. Right. <laughs> Do you think you, it has to be somebody who's dead? I don't think that's, so. That's my big question. I wouldn't say. Do you think, think, do you think it can say, be a 
a living person who lives this leaves this imprint? I think so. Not to interrupt anyone, but I was actually looking at some of the responses on Facebook, and uh, I'm going to throw this answer out here because I thought this was a really good, a really good answer. And this one's from uh, Nicole from Full Moon Paranormal. I think of a residual haunting, kind of like drawing with a marker in a notebook. If you press hard enough, the ink bleeds through the paper and onto the page under it. You could che- you could tear out the drawing, bring it somewhere else, add to it, and change it later, but that imprint on the other page remains. I don't think residual hauntings necessarily need to be deceased people because they're just imprints of energy in a place. I think that trauma or intense emotions can sometimes create residual hauntings, even if a person hasn't passed. Wow. I I agree with her. I agree. I agree. I think um, when we walk into a room that we don't like, even now, like if I walk into a certain room in my home and I'm like, I don't love this room. I don't love the way I feel. Maybe I had bad feelings there at one point. Right. Is that a residual haunting? Maybe. Maybe. It Maybe. could be. It's, it's I think we can expand energy. the definition, definitely. Yeah. I was listening <laughs> to this podcast with the Newkirks, and they were talking about this whole collective consciousness theory and how when you go into a place where bad things happen, you didn't necessarily know it, but you felt weird. Is that something coming from that collective consciousness that we're all a part of? Interesting. Going back to residual. Right. Um, you know... There's the whole, uh, I think that the nice thing about it is it can be a comfort. You know, we do work with private clients, right? Right. It can be a little bit of a comfort to people who are experiencing activity in their home. And and most paranormal investigators know this. But, you know, you you have somebody who says, oh, I see half a person. But, you know, when you explain, hey, the the house used to be six feet (laughs) higher or lower, um, it, you know, it's a little bit of a comfort to them. Um, you know, Instead that of thinking not, that there's some like mangled right. half hum- half person right. exactly. wandering around their house. sensitive as Matt might walk in a place and not experiencing it, not experience anything. Right. You know, but he might walk in and say, oh, there's used to be a guy here and he's amazing. I'm going to. Yes, I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I admit it. I'd like to get a better peek into that world, but sometimes I don't know if I want to, I don't know how long I want that peek to last. <laughs> right, exactly. Both two sides to that. I'm sure, Matt. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of sounds with that. We can move on. The next question is, how would you identify a residual haunting or an intelligent haunting investigation? What do you look for and how would you try to prove it? Thought that I didn't really think much about the first one, but I feel like I've thought even less about this one only because I'm constantly trying to find more intelligence than residual because I like to communicate and I always try to maintain some level of communication or establish some kind of communication. And really, I guess if I'm looking for an intelligent conversation on dowsing rods or a pendulum, whether it's something on a spirit box, whether it's knocking or whatever it might be to really distinguish between the two, I think it has to be repeatable. You know, if you just ask for someone to knock on the wall and you hear it once and that's the only time you hear it, you really don't have much of anything. It could be, you know, old pipes banging around. It could be rats in the walls, some kind of consciousness doing that. I feel like it has to be, you know, it has to be established over over a period of time. And I think more so, I guess, with residual hauntings, because if you're only in a place for a few hours i would still be a little iffy about saying that it's residual i almost feel like you have to be in a place on multiple occasions to really establish a residual haunting 
Um, and, and you know, on TV, when they say one more time, just one more time, so we know it's you. Right. You know, knock, knock, you're a slight knock. Can you knock yeah. again? So we know it's you. Can you knock again? And I feel like, where does it end? Like, when do you decide, right. wait, something's really communicating with me intelligently? Right. Well, like, other, how much does it take, like for you? Like, what's the threshold? Well, the other thing with that is also, if you're listening hard enough for knocking, you're going to hear knocking. You know, if you're exactly. really looking for it, you're, you think you'd be like, oh, I think I heard a faint knock. Did you hear that? And everyone else is like, no. Like, well, all right, well, I heard it. So Exactly, exactly. And for somebody who's skeptical like me, even if you get voices, you know, saying words, I feel like there's coincidence, there's, there's you know, we're hearing what we want to hear, we're making words out of sounds. There's so many other reasons right. that for something really to be intelligent, I think it has to kind of knock my socks off. If, right. Really? Well, don't be like don't ask that to happen during investigation. Try to keep your socks on. Yeah, it has to be something big. So, but you know, for residual, it's a totally different story. Of course, right. I find residual easier to prove, obviously, than intelligent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like with the intelligence stuff, it's uh, sometimes I like I, I like pushing the envelope my own way. Like like instead of using like the knocking, or a lot of times I'll go with like a feeling. Like you know, like I say, if I feel like there's a male presence, or I feel like there was like a young kid that went through a traumatic thing then it might be like you know hey when i was younger i went through this too like try to find some uh -huh. type of you know and then like usually it's like well can you knock for me okay that's good but like how many times can you knock well right. there's no limitation to that so it was like you have like a ball or something like that or like a trigger object and you'd be like okay well if you're that little boy can you move that ball and if that ball moves and you'd say okay you knock for me you move the ball for me and like you set up a couple different or like even if you have like the you know evp or like voice recordings or something you have something that comes in the background and possibly says daddy or hi and like everything just kind of yeah. coincides it's like it, it was obviously smart enough to answer the knock it was smart enough to answer the ball thing and then like with me i'll get a feeling so it's like if I have a feeling of like excitement or like remorse or dread and it happens to go along with something that happens on the territory or the property, right. then it's like, okay, well, something was definitely reaching out. Or, you know, if um, like the lights flickered on or like one of our equipments had a malfunction and it's like everything kind of lined up, something's definitely intelligent enough to try to communicate where, like you said, with the residual, yeah, or like the psychology end of it. If you believe you want to hear a knock, you're going to hear a knock. Right, right. Your mind state is telling you, I want to hear a knock. That's like, you know, for people like when you were younger and you wanted to believe in Santa Claus, you'd want to believe in Santa Claus so bad, you'd tell your parents, I've seen Santa Claus. You really didn't. Right. It's just your mind convinced you that you saw it. And Right. So Raise your bells in the sky. Exactly. Definitely. <laughs> um, but Matt, welcome to the Parasite Podcast, where we talk every week about layers. Right, Anthony? We talk yeah. about layers, and that's just what Matt is talking about. We always talk about, you know, how do we have enough proof? We have layers. Right. We have enough layers. Yeah, it comes out to be like paranormal lasagna. You just have. That's <laughs> how we roll, paranormal lasagna. I love it. We're going to use Hashtag that. Hashtag paranormal Matt's lasagna. <laughs> I think that needs to go on a t-shirt. Hashtag paranormal, does, paranormal lasagna. We copyright that. This, everyone, <laughs> that's ours. Don't take it. No, but it's true. Layers. It's all about that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's cumulative, you know, it, if you want to uh, establish a precedent in, in a court case, you have to have exhibits of evidence, you have to follow a train of logic, you have to keep stacking more and more things up to prove your point. Another two part question, does one disprove the other? So if it's not intelligent, it's residual, or if it's not residual, it's intelligent. 
are they mutually exclusive? So to me, you can have 16 different types of things going on in one place at, at once. Right. I, mean, I, I agree with you. And I think, yeah, it could be both. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Do you think it would be possible to, let's say, have an intelligent haunting of one specific person and also have a residual haunting from that same person as well in the same place? And and more. And more, okay. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And that's and that's really complicated. Yeah. Something that would take time, I think. Like you said, like multiple investigations, really a lot of research, that kind of thing. I think with those like right there, like the two combatives. Mm-hmm. The other side, it's like it's not residual and it's not. There's like my side of it where I've seen things that are not human. Right. Oh. Not like the one thing I did see was almost like they say like on t- like the movies like Slender Man. Yeah. Like what is this? Like I I don't know what it is and the things I've seen it's like it might not be residual and it might not be a real haunting but there's that there's something thin, that thin veil right. of yep. Uh, Right. So I like I how we're not confining ourselves to the word haunting. I like that. So I can't really, you know, I mean, as far as even like scientifically, I, I want to believe so much stuff that's out there, but there's that big question mark, almost like Bigfoot. Right. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I, that's actually a pretty decent segue now into what I was discussing earlier, because we're pretty much done with the questions, unless anyone else has any input on those. I just had a quick question. What do you guys think about um, different materials being, you know, we always talk about limestone or quartz or things like that. I mean, what do you think about that whole theory in terms of residual hauntings, obviously? I I don't know enough to really say if it's one or the other. I mean, people say limestone contributes to it. People say, I've heard granite is another one, like you were talking about the stone tape theory. I do know that just in my own experience, I mean, first off, quartz on its own actually, you know, on a very scientific level, possesses energy. Mm-hmm. Like if you take two pieces of quartz and bang them together, you're creating piezoelectric energy. You're exactly. and, if, and if you do it in the dark, you can actually see a spark come from those pieces mm-hmm. of quartz. There's there's stored energy as far as releasing it, or maybe some type of consciousness being able to release it or use it. I don't know, but that. That energy is there. You don't think about whether it can accept energy, just that it it has energy. Understand? It, it, yeah, it has it. I, I remember someone said quartz can create energy, and I had to I had to call them out on that one really quick. <laughs> no, 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 exactly. No, yeah. it cannot. Yeah. For for our viewers, it cannot. Um, right. But you know, but does it matter? I just you know, we talk about Matt walking into a room. I mean, it's just a room, right? It could be wood, whatever it is, whatever it's made of, right? Right. And it's still holding energy. Yeah. And that's how like I always categorize that stuff though, like whether it's quartz, wood, metal, copper, like anything that's naturally earthbound. Maybe a tree. Yeah. Anything that is from this universe holds its own energy regardless and can contribute you know, either conductive or like water. Water carries energy all its own. I mean, exactly. Dowsing right? rods have proven that so many times, and <laughs> that's just water. I mean, took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly where I was going with this whole thing. It's not but, just these materials. You know, we I think, think we focus on them too much. This was one of those things that was bouncing around in my head for the past couple of days regarding residual hauntings. Because if we think about it, residual hauntings are like that imprint. It's something on repeat. When we go out on investigations. 
we'd like to think that for the most part, we're talking or interacting with spirits of people who were alive. But again, we don't know, right? Um, we can say that maybe it's some sort of consciousness, but as I've been looking more and more into a lot of, a lot of scientific theories regarding like quantum theory and quantum entanglement and things like that and string theory, Sometimes I think that there might be things that we mistake for hauntings, like kind of like a quick glimpse into like another like parallel dimension, not to sound too sci-fi about it. No, it's not like a disturbance in the force. No, no, for real. I'm not making fun of like some type of disturbance. Right. Or or some type of or some type of time slip or something like that. So with that said, I mean, as human beings, we're we're creatures of habit. We pretty much get up in the morning and we have our same routine. What if instead of what we're seeing is residual haunting. It's like someone who is possibly dead or it was this traumatic experience or this emotional experience in a location. What if we're just catching a glimpse into someone's daily routine and they're just not aware of us? Yeah, that's pretty mind blowing. You're right. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, like yeah. how you, you're in the supermarket or something, you're just trying to go grocery shopping. You're not really paying attention to the people around you. In fact, you're kind of closing yourself off to them and you're still doing your thing. Right. You know, or driving or driving for 10 right you know, miles and you forget that you drove it. Exactly. But you mean like, are you talking about like, um, we always talk about other planes, right? Like maybe someone who had passed on is on another plane. Are we having a glimpse into that? Right. Is that what you're saying? Something like that. Um, I'm not even saying like passed on. Like I said, like, what if, Hmm. what if there is another dimension that's existing almost in the same space and we just catch a glimpse of it and we happen to catch that glimpse over and over again? Could that, could we be mistaking that for a residual haunting? Sure. And and like you said, I mean, in the context of hauntings, it might be somebody who passed on. But otherwise, yeah, could be yeah. somebody alive. Sure. I mean, it just it just had me thinking, like, like I said, you know, we're we're creatures of habit, you know, sure. whether we like it or not. So could that behavior from like the outside looking in in some capacity kind of be mistaken for something residual? <laughs> I mean, why not? Right. Yeah, I mean, but that that's that's the, that's the thing that I was thinking about for a while. That was the one that was like, well, wait a minute, just because we think it's residual or just because we think it's intelligent, right. how much do we really know? <laughs> well, I mean, on top of that, I mean, you can go on the internet all day long. And there's always those remnants of people catching time travelers, like right, right. We don't know. I mean, it could be could be ET for all we know, or it could be you know just two timelines slipping by each other, and exactly, you just right. so happy like peak the veil just a smidge and that's what you're getting or even like people say deja vu like right, right. that could be like an early warning to what you are going to do whether it's win the lottery or go to a soccer game but like oh i swear i did this before no you just right. seem about to do just a little sooner than usual right what so if, do you what think if that, that, go i was gonna say like what if that sensation of deja vu is that that time slip or that time loop but you're not aware of it you know, what if you are that residual haunting when you're experiencing deja vu? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But do you think the conditions have to be a certain way? That's my question. Like we talk about, you know, 3 a.m. being, you know, and veils being thin yeah. at a certain time of the year. And, and you know, which is believing at, you know, Halloween that the veil is the thinnest, that kind of thing. Do you think that time has something to do with it? Like the, the conditions of time and location and things like that? I think I think so. I mean, we've talked about like Jenny, you and I have talked about the whole thing with uh, that Brandon Elvis discusses um, and associating like uh, high barometric pressure with paranormal activity. Exactly. Now, what kind of what kind of conditions are we dealing with in in the fall? It's a little bit cooler. Air pressure is up. Could that possibly be contributing to the thinning of the veil? Right. 
And for centuries and centuries, that's just been something that they didn't, they may not have noticed the barometric pressure, but they noticed that the veil was thinner. And then, that's the way I went to jail. I, I was telling Jenny about this, like my, my haunting, like it really spikes during the winter solstice. Like as soon as the winter right. months come, everything to me, it like kicks up tenfold, like between shadow, shadow figures or I don't know why 3 a.m., but I could almost wake up 3 o'clock nonstop. See and the winter time, like every past relative I've had, I've had the dreams between those months or even like when there's no leaves or anything on the trees. Like I was in my garage here and I legit heard footsteps walking down the road and I went to the edge of the garage. There was nobody outside. And that happened between 1045 and 11 o'clock every night for almost a month. And there's nobody, <laughs> nobody outside at all. But right now, as it's been warm out. I've had haven't had as many occurrences, but yeah, like the winter time is worse for me. Like sometimes I actually sleep with a light on in my room because it's like just that I much. Need, like I need to see what's going on. Like right. Uh, it's a full moon right now, right? It's the super moon at 5 a.m. Wednesday tomorrow. Um, oh boy. So <laughs> that's another thing, you know. We can talk about that. You know the conditions. Yeah, I, I think it's less about like time of year or time of day. I don't know, but just more of those. I guess those atmospheric conditions really contribute to it. I mean, definitely the scientific view, but I mean, right. I'm sure that ancient civilization. That right. Way, I mean, but, if, right. If, if people have been maintaining this view for way longer than I've been here, exactly. there might be some credibility to it. I was going to bring up a good case of uh, residual. Um, Absolutely. Oh, good. Great. Okay. Okay. Well, Gettysburg is like one of my favorite spots. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's so much depth in that, you know, the whole war and everything. Mm-hmm. But as far as things being seen or even other investigators having proof on camera, like even all the proof that pretty much comes up that's on camera, it's always a soldier walking in transit or it's through the battlefield by a cannon. But it's like right. it didn't necessarily have to be the cannon that's there now. Right. Maybe their last, hey, the war's over, they walked home. And like right. that, like all the evidence that's out there, it's like whether it's believable or not, it's like. That energy that took place during that battle and how many lives were lost and like people were so far away from home, especially they were from like the Virginia territories and Florida and Texas. And, you know, they were all here away from their family. So it's even they could have been missing home and that energy is just left behind. You know, they didn't have to necessarily die. But, you know, those guys are walking the battlefield still to this day because, you know, and it's just like that to me. I think it's one of the biggest cases of residual energy is you know gettysburg has a lot of even at night people have heard like cannonball fire right or like the musk we we know there's nobody out there shooting cannonballs or muskets except for reenactments of course but you know like so i think that's that's like a big record player out there just shooting off that residual right you know whether good or bad or somebody passed away but you know even a lot of people missing their families they were out there fighting that war and that was just kind of and energy left behind. Yeah. yeah. So it, just because we said before that it doesn't have to be traumatic, I mean, do you think that, you know, trauma kind of adds to it? I think any sort of intense emotion can add to it, whether it's tra- something negative or positive. Oh, yeah. Like we were saying earlier, it's like if someone loved the house they lived in and there's that right. of that energy, it doesn't it doesn't have to be. But I, I don't know if it's by any fault of our own for what we do or if it's just been so sensationalized on television with all these shows right. but people want to chase that trauma and it's not always there 
exactly. But at the same time, you can walk into a home and be like, oh, it's such a warm, right. wonderful place. Right away, you feel that. But yeah. why? You know, well, it's like it, it's like when we were, it's like when we were at the Melnick house and how that that house felt very different at the end of the night compared right. to how it was when we first walked in there. And nothing right. nothing really changed as far as we know. You know, there was no one. No one was setting up furniture or anything like that. No one was redecorating or ripping things down. Yeah. It was just different before we started our investigation from how it was at the end of our investigation. But it requires our interpretation, too. Right. So that makes me wonder a little bit like, you know, Matt would interpret it differently than I would, than you would. Mm. You know, I might walk into a place and say, wow, it's great. It's so warm and wonderful. And Matt might say, oh, my goodness, no. Good. Well, I think it takes two is what I'm saying. I think not only does the energy have to be there, but somebody has to interpret it. Something or somebody, right? Equipment or a person. We can use ourselves as equipment or we can use equipment. It's pretty much like it, even like everybody like identifies it and it's like, OK, it feels good or it feels bad. But then like when you start aligning like all your tools, whether it's yourself as a vessel or the equipment, right. as soon as that stuff starts coinciding with each other and everything lines up and then it's like, okay, well, yeah. maybe good feeling, but there's an underlying something. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. you know, whispers or something that you catch on audio and you're like, okay, somebody said something or, you know, if somebody on a certain laptop calls somebody that had lived there at one point, a bad name and we're getting a lot of other things coming through that might have been something at that time. Now an intelligent spirit might be coming in and put its two cents in. Like, but it takes, it kind of takes both sides because like, yeah. like, like Jenny has her side and I have my side, but when we put our ideas together, it like, it works out and then you got other people of the group and the more evidence you do have, you can kind of like negate the things that aren't real. And then right. whatever's left over, you can almost make sense of that and kind of consider that evidence. So it's, Kind of, kind of sounds like a certain uh, evidence or experience grading system that we use. <laughs> All right. So the Ritz Theater is a cool place. It opened in 1927 with 600 seats and a Gottfried II manual organ. The Ritz Theater was a popular downtown cinema, and in the 1950s, it became South Jersey's premier foreign film venue before it went into a period of decline in the 1970s when it became a venue for adult movies. When video cassettes became more popular, it spelled the end for many adult theaters, including the Ritz Theater, which closed in the mid-1980s. A local theater company, putting on the Ritz Inc., now the Ritz Theater Company, began leasing the Ritz Theater in 1985 and has used the historic movie house as a venue for live theater ever since. The group purchased the 400-seat Ritz Theater and restored and renovated the building. Restorations included the facade of the building and the interior murals, as well as adding 334 new seats in the auditorium. The Greek Revival-style Ritz has also been added to the National Register of Historic Places. We are going to go over some of this evidence that we have at the that we got at the Ritz Theater. Okay, so obviously it's a theater, and the first place we kind of ran to was the stage area because we thought about all the energy right on the stage all the actors and stuff like that. Um, they did have one prop set up, so we placed uh, a REM pod there and a K2. And not right away, but pretty quickly, we started to get some, some pretty significant hits on the REM pod and really in response to questions about acting and, and plays and things like that. And they were pretty much right on you know, command. And the REM pod is one thing, but then the K2 would go off as well. And Zach was getting some hits with the thermal camera. So as you know, we talk about layers, there were some pretty good ones just right out of the gate. 
just just to give you an idea of where it was placed you see the curtain right so i think you just there you saw the k2 flash a bit yeah yeah on the right and then and then the the rem pod going off so that was stacy and zach and as i said zach also was getting something on the thermal um just kind of amorphous not really a figure but definitely just some an sort of thermal yeah, yeah some kind of thermal anomaly right some kind of a heat signature going on at the same time and yeah. you know certainly in any kind of theater like i said there's there's some energy on stage and i couldn't wait to get on that stage and, and really try to talk to anyone who was an actor yeah and it's it's crazy that was just happening right at the beginning of the night even you know before we were even really fully set up right exactly and this is a this is a place like we said that hasn't been investigated at all um, right. maybe once or twice that we know of and so we weren't sure really if it would be quiet the first couple times we went there but we quickly found out that wasn't the case yeah yeah no that it definitely uh warmed up to us right right from the beginning mm-hmm. <laughs> the next clip i'm going to show is actually matt doing the estes method unfortunately matt can't join us th- for the review this time around but hopefully uh we can kind of talk through this and kind of explain what's happening but this is matt doing the estes method in the rehearsal room the rehearsal room is what we large room upstairs just so we can get everybody set with this right you're talking about like a larger room where somebody would like with the mirror where somebody would dance that kind of thing. right yeah where people okay. could practice like their dance routine okay. or whatever okay or so singing. it's a pretty large room yes right. yeah so the, the interesting thing about this is also not only was matt getting responses on the spirit box while he's doing the Estes method, but he also kept getting touched by something, or he felt like oh. he was getting touched by something. Yeah. So can you tell me your name? No. Were you part of the theater when it was originally built and we're in the 20s and the 30s he used to work here so you can see that he's like getting a little antsy and a little fidgety yes at times like something's a little off is it weird to have us here asking all these questions did you just touch Matt? yeah yeah you can see that he responded to something touching his shoulder right it's okay if you touch Matt, but you just have to let him know that I'm trying to communicate did you used to live up here? There you go again. It seems like he might have gotten touched at that point. Yep. Matt? Yep, that's Matt. And he's starting to rock like he's uncomfortable. And yeah. as we that's mentioned, Matt's though. definitely a sensitive, so he would be sensing something. Oh, absolutely. And I, I even remember him saying that he kept getting touched up here. He kept feeling something up here in the rehearsal room. Mm-hmm. There you go again. He's rubbing his knee and pointing to it. Can you tell us what your name is? He clearly was sensing something touching him. And, you know, we don't we don't just go say, hey, go touch Matt. Of course, you know, like he knows he's we've gotten permission from him just for anybody who's watching. You know, it's not like something we just say, hey, it's okay, go touch Anthony. I would never right. do that without asking you kind of thing. But Matt, it's okay with it. So that's why you hear us say, it's okay if you touch Matt. Yeah, yeah, there's there's right. certain situations where people just don't want to be touched sometimes. So right. you, you have to be aware of that. Right. I mean, at the same time, when 
you're inviting something to touch you. You're inviting it into your space, and you don't necessarily know what that could mean. You know, he's obviously sensing something, and you can totally tell that he's not paying any attention to us at all. Or, right. I wasn't in the room, but you guys at all. Right. Yeah. He, he was. He had the blindfold on. He had yeah. the. He had the the earphones on, and so he couldn't see or hear anything, and he was just acting and reacting to what he heard on those headphones and what he felt. Right. But, yeah, I mean, you know, the Estes method is a pretty – it's an interesting way to do things. It, it takes practice, that's for sure. And oh, yeah. sometimes you can sit there in silence, and that's okay. What I love about this is he's not answering all your questions because that becomes like, okay, that's when my shirt comes in, right? Like, right. You, yeah, okay, right, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, because there's always the concern of, like, the participants maybe being able to hear the questions that are being asked right. and then subconsciously trying to fill in the blanks with what they hear coming over the radio. Like you said, that's a really good point with the subconscious. Like maybe you don't really hear it, but you might be hearing a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Your brain's picking it up even though you don't know it and you start yeah. throwing out answers. Like I'm, I'm terrible at the SD's method just because. Why do you say that? Well, whenever I do it, I've, I've never done it with noise-canceling headphones. I've done it with either regular headphones or earbuds. In order to, I guess, remain impartial, I just crank up the volume oh, so yeah, I, I can't really hear anything. Is loud. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, then it's like I still hear like a jumbled mess. It's For me, it's, it's really hard for me to sometimes pick out those answers when I'm just focusing on the sound and not being able to focus on questions being asked like I'm doing right. a regular box session because a lot of the time I feel like if I don't have context for an answer, it's just another, another sort of word noise to me. And then I kind of just, just don't end up making sense of it. Right. And when you're playing it that loud, it's hard to, to hear the, you know, the responses as well. I don't know. Maybe I should give and it in a real time. Answer. It's hard to hear them. Like you're, you're a proponent of recording, you know, spirit oh, box yeah. sessions, which has changed my life, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, recording spirit box sessions has really kind of made me more of a believer, in, you know, right. in what we get. So, yeah. you know, you're hearing it real time. I barely hear anything. You're it's like, t- what was that for? <laughs> you know, you don't know. It, it's like trying to look at like an MC Escher painting, but you only have like three seconds to look at it and you really Great can't point. put everything in. Exactly. So, you know, and also we talked about trust last time. I mean, we trust Matt to say, yeah. no, I can hear you guys. You know, I really want this to be a valid experiment. <laughs> Good. All right. So we're going to roll to the next clip. Oh, it's actually not a clip. This is a series of photos that Albert took. Oh, fantastic. So we got this first photo. Now, this is on the first floor of the theater, right outside the doors to the auditorium. And I remember some of our investigators saying that they were getting, I want to say it was K2 hits over by this organ. This is just a series of photos. This is the first picture. All of us hanging out in front of the organ, just checking it out. And then we have this next photo where there's this sort of strange anomaly on the right-hand side of the, uh, the picture. Creeping in. Yeah, kind of. In fact, right on that, right in that space, Frankie also had his tripwire sensor, and he kept getting hits on there later in the evening. Yeah, Uh, so there's a set of stairs just to the right of that um, organ. Yeah, actually, that actually go up right behind it. Then, if I recall, I remember Matt saying that he was feeling something in that while while that picture was being taken. And then, if we go to the next picture, because these are all taken in sequence. There's a little bit left right here, but it's kind of looks like it's moving or something like that. And Albert was even, you know, he's he's pretty meticulous about uh, his camera operation. Yes, he is. 
So I, I would think that he would have probably seen this on the viewfinder or he would have been aware of like some sort of some sort of like, I guess, like visual noise that would happen with the camera. But right. he didn't realize this until he he reviewed these pictures. And then and, is there more? Yeah, there's just OK. And just oh, I'm wow. just going, I'm just going in the sequence of mm-hmm. what we had. So gone. Now yeah. you see the stairs behind it and you see the proximity sensor, the wire, the, the wire. Yep. Right over there. So that's where it was going off as well. And yeah. we do have um, video of that, too. That's yes. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I thought wow. it was, you know, we, we always get excited about something that uh, we catch in the moment, whether it's like some sort of sensor or if we feel something. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we, we all we all know well enough to that, like if we see here or feel something on, you know, while we're recording, we're we're quick to call it out. Right. But. I mean, this just kind of highlights the importance of really like reviewing and scrutinizing whatever observations that you have, you know, because you can get so caught up in the moment. Then you're like, you can remember later on, oh, yeah, this happened and this happened and that happened. But just like with reviewing recordings of spirit box sessions, there could be so much more happening that you're not even aware of. And you have to kind of really look back and really look into what you have. Mm-hmm. What I think one of my best pe- people would say, what's your favorite piece of equipment? Honestly, mm-hmm. my pen and paper. Yeah, I, I write I write down so many things like, you know, so and so felt this or I saw this. Here's the time I saw it. And it's invaluable for when you review your evidence because you're otherwise you're like, oh, what room was that that I thought I saw this or the shadow or whatever. Like, you know, um, I, I love writing stuff down. Definitely. I was going to say, I, I actually, um, my husband was a professional photographer for 10, at least 10 years in New York. Right. And I show him every photograph and right. 99% of the time he can debunk it. Oh almost, yeah, I'm sure. Almost every time. And I got to say, this was the first time he was like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. And I was, and to me, like, I, you know, because he's a real non-believer. Like I might be skeptical, but my husband's a total non-believer, and right. he was really impressed with these photos, which made me think, oh, good job, Albert. Something to this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he did. He was like, I got nothing. That's what he said. He's like, I have no idea. That really looks like smoke. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, no one was like smoking or vaping or anything like that while we were there. Yes, it looks like smoke. It looks like someone blew smoke out. I mean, it's yeah. amazing, actually. I think yeah. this is like big, bigger evidence that we're making it even. I think this is this is huge. No, I, th- I think it's really cool. And I think as we do more and more investigations, I get further away from like, let's say, we're encountering spirits and I'm getting more with our observations kind of being like, OK, right. this can't be explained. <laughs> exactly. You, you don't know. And if you constantly go around like looking for spirits, then you're going to find spirits. Right. But right, exactly. if you kind of keep it open and just say, you know what, this is some kind of weird, unexplained anomaly, it, I think I feel like it opens up a lot more possibilities with your, your observations. Yeah, that's the word right there, observation. And we <laughs> just say, you know what, there's this this shouldn't be going off, this EMF meter or whatever. Right. I don't know why, but we're observing that it's recording high EMF at a place we don't think there should be. And it's just an observation. It doesn't mean there's a spirit here. You know, right. to me, I feel like unless you come face to face with a ghost. Yeah. That's that's the only way you can say I saw a ghost. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, you know, I always say, like, at the end of the day, what does an EMF meter prove? It proves that there's <laughs> high EMF. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> prove that there's a ghost. You know, if people say evidence. I kind of, 
you know, I, I, I kind of push back a little bit on that because it's just like, well, no, it's not really evidence because it's not really proving the existence of a ghost or a spirit. It's just, you know, oh, high EMF or high or low temperature or high right. humidity or, you know, a static field has been interrupted by something. That doesn't mean it was interrupted by, by a ghost. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. But in this case, with this picture, I can honestly yeah. say, like, that is some kind of, I mean, I just can't take my eyes off of it. I really can't. That's that picture right there is amazing. What is yeah. that? Yeah, we, we I have don't. no explanation for that. Right, right, and it's 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 really fascinating. It is. I I I don't know. I would say the best thing for us to do is just keep showing that picture around. People watching this podcast, we want to know what do you think that is. Yeah. You know, please comment. Please let us know, and please tell us no. That's nothing. That's this because we love debunking. We're not going to be upset. No. We like that. In fact, let me just go to the next couple pictures here right and you can see like this would probably be like oh. right around where he was standing when he took the picture right a box you know? is not going to give off smoke like that exactly right right and i don't think it's any sort of light pollution from the the tripwire here because it's not no. it's it's well lit you know and i don't think that that tripwire would higher. be kind of going off that kind of light that Isn't we it see up a little higher too i mean it could be dust from someone walking up the stairs with that carpet but right no one was walking up those stairs, as you say. You were all right. downstairs. So yeah. I got nothing. Yeah, it's it's, it's a good one for sure. Pretty cool. I, I I always get upset when it's in the corner. You know, <laughs> like, it, well, thank goodness he took another picture to the right of it because I get upset when it's in the corner because you don't see. Right. You know what right. I mean? Not, like you don't see the person there blowing the smoke. Right. Yeah. Like, but I like that right away, like in succession, he took a, a picture up there. So that that's the next best thing, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. But I've, yeah, I've started kind of like panning more, you know, just to make sure that you get everything in. Yeah, just a little bit of left and right in your series of pictures, just so that you can get, you know, pardon the pun, the bigger picture. <laughs> Literally. Exactly. Right. Well, very cool. Very cool. And you look good in blue. By the yes. way, <laughs> it's my color. It brings out my eyes. Yes, it does. Not, but we cannot confirm or deny that you have blue eyes. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move on to the next uh, piece of footage that we have. And this is up in the rehearsal room again. This is your opportunity to throw out your catchphrase. Oh, I love this phrase. Is it, let's go get tacos? No, that's not it. What do you have? That's Zach and Stacy. Yep, I'll Up play it again. Rehearsal room. You get a much better view of the rehearsal room there. Um, look at that in the middle of the room, right? And so people might be like, oh, what is that? Something's there. No, nothing's there. You know what's there? That room is full of EMF. And this is like a great example of why you have to do a sweep. People call it a sweep, but we have a special name for it. And I, I call it pre-bunking. So we go through a room. <laughs> I know, debunking, pre-bunking, it's my word. So we go through and we say, what's going to look paranormal tonight? Like the first thing we do when we get there is like, what's going to look paranormal, but it's not going to be paranormal. And right away, Anthony, you especially noticed that, I don't know what kind of equipment's in that room, lighting, I believe, or something like that. Some well, there, there are lights, there's a the server, um, okay. I think oh, right next door. Right, yeah. okay. Right. Yeah, there's, there's a server room, I think, right next to it, but also speakers. I mean, oh, speakers wow. speakers throw a lot of uh, EMF because there are magnets mm -hmm. in them, and the speakers don't even have to be turned on. 
to give off that energy. Right. Okay, good. And there's like a closet full of it. I noticed. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, you know, for those of you watching, that's, that's nothing. That's just, you know, ambient EMF. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that, that was just steady EMF the whole night. There were no like quick fluctuations or anything like that. It was just constantly being pumped into that room. And I honestly, I think that's probably why we got a decent amount of activity in that room also, because there was just all that EMF feeding something to use that energy. So it goes both ways, kind of. Is that what you're saying? Like, you can, yeah, it can help fuel activity, but can also, you know, just be something that's there. Yeah, and, and that's, I think, you know, as, as investigators, that's when we have to make the distinction between, right. you know, just regular... I guess normal EMF activity versus paranormal <laughs> EMF activity. We're going to go on to the next clip. So this was back in the rehearsal room, and this is where I was doing a quick little pendulum session along with oh. a spirit box running in the background. And I'm hoping that this time around you can hear it a little better because you could actually hear some of the spirit uh, the spirit box responses to the questions I'm asking with the pendulum as well. And you'll hear, you'll hear me and Albert... Uh, me, Albert, and Sheena actually calling out some of these responses as we hear them in real time. Oh, cool. Okay. I love the combination of like old school and new school. You know what? I mean, you don't always get responses on spirit boxes. You know, right. it's just face facts. But I've always found that I've been able to get more responses with either a pendulum or a dowsing rods. And I think that when I did this session, just starting with the pendulum sort of sort of got the ball rolling. Mm-hmm. And then once, like, I guess, uh, whoever we were communicating with kind of opened up with the pendulum, they were like, oh, you know what? We can maybe let's try using this. Yes. And one of the things I can always, I can hear your voice saying a lot is spirit box confirmation, spirit box confirmation. So you'll get a yes on the pendulum and then you'll get confirmation from the spirit box. Yeah. So here we go. Do you feel like you're stuck here? I didn't hear what it said. And right now it's swinging yes. Okay. Stop. So you could hear mm-hmm. right there, uh, the yes. spirit box said stuck here, and then you heard I'm stuck. <laughs> wow. Like the same and word twice is unbelievable. It's it's it was it was insane in there. It was actually really cool. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. keep this rolling. Yeah. We hear you. What's keeping you here? Are you stuck here because... Do you feel stuck here because you got hurt here? That's swinging hard, yes. Look at that. Right. Well, we're, while we know that, while you feel like you're stuck here, it's not, it's not our business to make you move on. But if this is a place where you were hurt, where you felt trauma, this shouldn't be a place for you to stay. There are better places for you to move on to from here. But if you feel like you're here to protect people, 
And that's a good thing. Do you feel like you're stuck here because you got hurt and because you're trying to protect people? Swinging yes, also. So it was kind of hard to hear. But there, was a, there was an I do response when I asked that question. Oh, on wow. Also. Okay, I didn't, I didn't hear it. Yeah, but I, I'm sure it's clear when you listen. Yeah. Uh, so you, yeah. Said, I, do you, you said I do. Which stuck from the trauma? You feel stuck here from the trauma and said I do? Um, it was actually when I was asking, do you feel like you're staying here because, to yeah, to protect people. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can go back yeah. a little bit. So you, yeah. you, you actually hear Shana confirm it more than, more than you hear it on the, uh, the spirit box. Right. I, yeah. Yes, oh, also. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Did hear at that time. Yeah. Do you want to leave? Do you want to leave this place? Unsure. Yeah. It's uh when when the pendulum moves like that for me. Look at this. The response is unsure or I don't know. Oh, like circular. Yeah, yeah. When it starts okay. making circles, that's like an I don't know. Right, that makes sense. Like, I don't know which way to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to keep this going. I love this angle. I'm not doing this, Albert. I'm sorry? I love the camera angle because you really can see your hand so steady right there. For those people saying you're moving it, you know, like you're really holding it pretty steady. Yeah, whenever whenever I do a pendulum session now, because I've got that body camera mounted on me, I'm always Mm -hmm. aware of like where I'm holding everything. So it's directly in front of the camera. (laughs) Right, exactly. So let's just resume yeah. this. You, can you see it moving? Yeah. Wow. I'm not doing that. Your hand is so still. <laughs> I'm trying. I guess I didn't have enough. Uh, I didn't have that much coffee that time around. <laughs> can we help you? Stop. Thank you. Can you see me again? What's up? Don't stop. All right. Um, so if you are here and you have good intentions, we can we can help tell your story. We can let people know why you're here. You don't have to stay here to tell your story if you don't want to. Would that make you happy? Do you want us to tell your story? We will happily tell your story. Thank you so much for responding to all these questions. That's a yes. Thank you so much for communicating with us. Was that an okay? Okay. All right. You got it? Is that what that was? So I was actually calling out some of the responses on the spirit box when I was talking about telling a story. There was an okay that came over. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. It it was just it was one of those ridiculously clear uh, sessions. Yeah. And so you know, we, you, what, I was just going to ask you what spirit box you were using, but go ahead. 
That was that was one that uh, my friend John Huntington had made, okay. um, and I was running that through my portal that I threw together. So it's got some of the so it's uh, the a combination. It's got the noise reduction and the reverb and everything. Um, I love that. Uh, it's, it's it's great. And it mm-hmm. honestly, like when you're doing like an SD session, it also makes it a lot easier. On the flip side right. of it, I feel like when there's so much noise reduction, sometimes you end up missing stuff too. Oh, I see. Like some yeah. subtle stuff. Yeah. 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 But I've, still, I've, it's a lot easier to listen to for sure. Oh, it's so much easier on the ears. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. All right, so I'll go to our next clip here. Uh, where is it? Oh, it's actually the last clip that we uh, – oh, no, actually, it's not the last clip. We have this one, and this is just a picture, and hopefully you can give it your explanation. <laughs> it's a really controversial one. It is, but, but – But I'm sticking with it, and it's funny because um, I'll start at the beginning. Yeah. Um, this is Stacy myself shannon and ava in the lobby and so that's the lobby and through those doors is another storefront that they have right next to the theater and some couches things like that tables but there's no air coming through there it's just another room like a living room kind of thing um there's no windows open the door was locked so it's just a room um and then to the left of the picture is the the opening, um, the second set of doors coming into the theater, not the first set, not the outside set to the outside world. Um, anyway, that's Stacy's water bottle sitting there, and it was pretty full. And we were all kind of setting up, doing our thing. I was at the desk. Um, Shannon was across the room. Stacy was behind me by the, um, um, not the, uh, what do you call it, the organ. She was by the organ. Um, and then Ava was at the desk as well with me. And all of a sudden we heard thunk, like this really loud thing, because we're being quiet, you know, kind of thing. And it was thud. And we looked over and there was the water bottle, like on its side. Um, there is an angle there. It's definitely, an, uh, you know, an, an angle, the floor. It's not a flat floor, but a, it's, it's a lot of force to take a water bottle over. It was not, you know, like a 45 degree angle. It's just very slight kind of thing. Um right. I don't know, you know, we tried and tried and tried to debunk that, like with the backpack next to it, but nothing moved the backpack either. And it had been sitting there for a long, long time. And we all went, oh, you know, like that thing just fell over. You know, it, like that was our honest initial, you know, visceral reaction kind of thing. Um, we did get a video of it. Zach was sitting on the floor across the room, but all you can see is the reflection of the bottle, not the bottle itself. So you know how a bottle might have like a little reflection on the top from a from a light? You know, you get like a sliver of a reflection off yeah. the top of the bottle. Um, you see that go over, but you can't actually see a bottle go over. So we see motion, but right. it's, you can't you know, really it's not make out what it is. <laughs> right. And, and you can almost hear in my voice right now, I'm holding back because who knows, right? Who knows? Yeah. But I mean, we can we can you, speculate all day yes. long, but right. I mean it, it's it's interesting that you look at it because that's like got to be at least probably a one liter water bottle. It's big, right? And it's, it's one of those real tall ones. Yeah, and it's probably about half full, and even if the the floor is on a bit of like a a decline or an incline, what would you say? It's it's not much. It's like like maybe, percentage wise, like angle wise. What would you say? Like maybe. maybe like Maybe 15 to 20 degrees. Yeah, right. That's what I thought. 15 it, degrees. Yep. 
It's not, um, it's, but even then, like, you know, you think how, like, you know, water behaves, it's kind of self-leveling, you know, it's exactly. not gonna, it finds, it, it finds its own balance point, even on an incline or a decline angle. Right. So to, to where me, it if it, it was unstable, me. it would have fallen already. Exactly. Kind of thing. Um, yeah. um, nobody yeah. was walking around or anything like that. So anyway, we all felt really strongly that that water bottle <laughs> fell over by itself. But we have right. no proof of it other than you can see the light reflected off of it and you see the light move kind of going down. So it wasn't a great angle. Lesson right. learned. You know, now we're going to put a you know trail camera or something in the in the lobby kind of thing. And yeah. I probably wouldn't have even brought this up if not for the next clip, if that makes sense. I think that, I, that makes if perfect you have sense. other evidence like it, yep. then you start to think, hmm, maybe. Yeah, when, when, when solid objects start uh behaving right. unexpectedly <laughs> right it definitely makes you think right so, right but yeah. it was exciting for us definitely because we all just kind of looked at each other for a second like what did that just really happen kind yeah. of thing and as an investigator come on that's exciting i don't care i mean you know you can say all you want oh i don't care if i find no evidence or nothing happens come on like come on that's exciting right, right. And that, that's that, that that's one of the few things that that's one of the many things actually that don't really translate to like when you watch like a lot of these shows is like yes the actual experience as opposed to, you know, seeing something on a TV screen. Cause you know, when you're there in the moment, it's, it's an interesting feeling, not just, you know, the excitement of something happening, but like just the overall feeling when you're in a place like this. Right. That, that something's going on that, yes. you know, something's going on and, and come on, like it's fun. Right. I mean, Oh, it's great. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't keep doing it if it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's the fun of it. I mean, I don't mind going to a place and having nothing, ha you know, nothing happen, you know, that, I, you know what I mean by that? Like no, no evidence kind of thing. No, right. you know, nothing really out of the ordinary. I just love going to these places, but I mean, we all were like, what? That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we were, and like I said, they, they were very passionate about it, you know, and I can understand right. like, you know, you guys being like, oh, I'm not so sure, because I would be very skeptical of it myself. Of course. But they were adamant, you know, adamant. All, you know, Zach, Shannon, Ava, Stacy, all were adamant. Because I thought, right. well, maybe it was me. But they all were like, no, that thing just fell over. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, I mean, and I think that we're going to be talking about it in the later episode, but like our experience yes. or evidence grading system and how the anecdotal observations that we have are just as important as having something on video of like a K2 meter going off or a REM pod going off, you know, that, that, that human experience that doesn't always get documented. That is just as important as, you know, a piece of equipment going off. Maybe more. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree. Maybe more, maybe more important and, or at least equally important. Like you said, like, yeah, but maybe more. Yeah, so that yeah. was fun. I mean, when you walk out of an investigation and you're like, hey, that water bottle fell over by itself, in my experience anyway, that's right. kind of fun. I mean, we, I think you're lying to yourself if you don't think that's fun. No, yeah, yeah. You're Then you're not, you're just not into it if you're not having fun with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty cool, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to go to the our final clip. Save this one for the end of the night or the end of the uh, the review. Mm -hmm. This is definitely one of my favorite things that happened. Right. So this is, hang on, let me get this pulled up. This is myself, Shana, and Albert in a dressing room that's above the stage. Right. We had just we had just finished um, 
kind of playing some trigger music. We were playing, I think, the theme to the the show Pippin. Okay. Which you know, it's 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 a big one. A lot of you know, a lot of uh, theater companies do that one. We were just mm-hmm. trying to drum up some activity, and then we went from there. We went into uh, an EVP session. Luckily, I had my body camera rolling because this was really cool. That body cam. Uh, is there anyone in here with us? Just keep your attention over here. There is. Did you like hearing musical theater playing? Do you know what show that was? Do you have any requests of what you'd like us to play? No way. Hang on, because I don't know if there was like an issue with the video or whatever. Did okay, it there we go. Let's yeah, there it so let me let me go <laughs> I back. I could watch this all day, so. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you heard it the first time around, but let's here we go. Oh. Go back again. So, Shana asks if you have any requests, any requests, and the door opens up. Let's go over that one more time. Do you have any requests of what you'd like us to play? Oh, and of course, fro- it. yeah, it froze again, though. No Hang on. Come on, Skype. Work with me here. We can start over. Like, we can just start. You want to start this whole thing over? I don't know if it's something with the playback. Uh, Frankie, if you can, okay. maybe yeah. throw in some creative editing. <laughs> yeah, save us, Frankie. Let's see if we could do this again. Hopefully yeah. this doesn't freeze off. We can start this clip over if you want. It's up to you. Let's try one more time. Do you have okay. any requests of what you'd like us to play? Uh, oh. oh. There it goes. There no it way. goes. I see it. Look at Albert. Cool as a cucumber. Uh, <laughs> He's like, come on in. <laughs> Shit, I don't even think I was recording. Meanwhile, I'm losing my mind because I thought that I wasn't recording at the time. We're going to leave you out there. Um, <laughs> whoa. That was that was the camera switching to infrared. Okay, so it, it pops mean? open. I heard the noise. Right. Mm-hmm. You you actually, you, you can hear the latch pop. That's what I heard. And then the door opens. Like, click, click. He, yep. 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 And then, but here I am trying to do a quick little diagnosis of what happened. And oh, yeah, to, like the wind or something. Yeah, trying to debunk, but let's just go over that just so you can see kind of what we were trying to do. Okay. There's, there's like, no airflow here. Um, and I can understand, like, maybe... So Albert suggested maybe it was the wind, and I was telling right. him that there's no airflow back there. <laughs> he was probably, like, please I can be the wind. Like, maybe someone even... I'm jumping up and down in front of the doorways. It loosens anything yep. up. And it's not opening. No. But yeah, uh, again, like if you listen, you can you can actually hear the latch pop and then the door opens. Do you have any requests of what you'd like us to play? Woo! Oh wow. Yeah. Yep. No way. <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> the door is open. I don't know if I can read that call. <laughs> but we got the, 
Yeah. And um, that's pretty incredible. So just um, to set it up a little bit too, the top, the, that room is at the top of a steep set of stairs that only yeah. go to that room. Um, right. It's just, that's it. It's in the backstage and there's a set of stairs that go up to just that room. So outside that, that room is just a little landing and then steep stairs going down. Right there. There isn't like a small room connected to the dressing room or anything like that. It's just steps going right up to it. And, you know, any, any doors to the outside are pretty far. Like they're, I think like the closest doors to the outside are on the left and right of the stage, actually behind the stage. The emergency exits, that kind of thing, but you're way upstairs. Yeah. Yeah. no, No windows. There's no, there's no windows in that room. No. No, there are no windows. No, it's closed up. Yeah, there's, there's no, there was really no space for any airflow to happen. And Mm -mm. if you remember, I mean, it took a little bit of effort to move that door when you walked into that room or you know tried to walk out. I do remember. Yes, because I did a session in there and I shut it tight and clicked it. Um, out that night, I, you know, I shut it tight and I clicked. I had to click it so it would stay closed. So right. I'm sure you guys knew that, like, yeah. you know, it, it did, it could open if you didn't click it. Right. You know? Um, it's not a heavy door. No, I will it's say not. that. Like it's a pretty light door. Yeah, it is. It, I think it's like one of those hollow wood doors, but yeah, exactly. that, that latch really is, is tight. <laughs> yeah. I, I live in an old house, a very old house and all our doors are like that. You have to kind of like click, click, push it, you know, yeah. kind of thing. So when we were in there, I definitely closed it all the way like that. So I, I know what you did. And right. I have no idea how it would come unlatched. You right. know, maybe with a really strong breeze, but from where? Yeah. Air conditioning? Yeah. No. Right. Where would that be coming from? Or maybe maybe it was like the door frame swelling or contracting. Hmm. But, I, I mean, in, in order for that to happen, there would have to be a drastic shift in either temperature or air pressure right. or humidity. And I mean, it was fairly consistent the whole time we were there. I mean, I was walking around the whole time with my, with uh, my thermal, going around checking stuff out, and uh, the temperature readings were all fairly consistent all over that theater. I love it. I love it. And and nothing happened right afterwards. Like you know, you didn't have anything. No, know? no. Unfortunately, okay. I mean, we were we were reviewing. We were. Tr- I was reviewing. Um, my digital recorder just to see if we picked up any EVPs, but I guess I just, that's I just don't fuck with EVPs. So <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. Just that that's, that's fascinating. That, and again, we, this is what I wasn't saying with the bottle. Like if it weren't for that door, right. I, I would have had more reason to throw the bottle away, but once you have movement somewhere else, you're thinking hmm, maybe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, that, that's, and, and that's all it is. It's, it's a maybe, you know, Yeah. but when you but start maybe. having, when you start, when you when you look at your your investigation once all is said and done, once it's over, mm-hmm. and you start recognizing certain types of activity, and you start looking right. for for patterns, kind of, you know, you look exactly, you know, you look for solid objects moving. It's like, all right, that door opened. Did anything else move? Oh wait, you know, right. Stacy's right. water bottle moved. Or this the chair, you know, in the theater they had those chairs that pull up, you know, and push down, mm-hmm. something like that, you know, one right. of them went up. That wasn't there before. I mean, on its own, that can happen. I'm sure. Right. You know, but when you have a couple things happen, you're like, hmm, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all about the context under which everything is happening. Also, I mean. Right. You know, 
it's pretty normal for a door to open when there's when the the door frame itself uh, expands or contracts. Right. That's normal. But when it there's no change to the door frame then and the door opens, well, you know, that's what we're into. That then it's paranormal. <laughs> yes, it and it definitely was. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, um, you know, no spoilers. We we will continue to go to the Ritz. We're going to be yes. at the Ritz, and that'll be a room that we continue to try with that door over and yes. over again. Yeah. Um, you know, now we have a place to start. You know, and can't wait, can't wait. Right. It's a fabulous location. Absolutely fabulous. I love it, and and you know, I have a much longer clip of what of uh, the pendulum and spirit box session in the rehearsal room. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually like probably about like 20 minutes of um okay. of of that session, and there were some crazy crazy responses on the spirit box. Stuff was very clear, and you know. Right. It, I definitely felt like we were connecting with something there that probably hasn't connected with anyone in a very long time. Sure. And, and I didn't mention it at the time, but when we did um, an SD session in the rehearsal room, we got nothing but names, just names, 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 names. Right. And that to me was a little bit unusual because you would think that's just not normal to, even if it was just the radio. You know, it was like right. first name names. after first name after first name. It was like, and I remember them, like Jim, Laura, you know, Don, like, and then it was like, where where are you from? Philadelphia. Like, it was like wow. really clear. Yeah. Um, and, and name after name after name, almost like everybody was trying to talk at once. You got and that you feeling. Know, that's, that's, what, that's what we got also with our uh, spirit box session was. Really? Okay. There was, there was that mean, um that that mean i guess uh entity that we were talking to but then it almost sounded like there was something else like interrupting oh uh, they were saying and it's it, it almost sounded like there were actually a few people trying to get a word in <laughs> right that's i was the one listening with the headphones and okay it was almost like yeah people it was like who who's here it was like laura jim you know jamie whatever it was it was constant names to the right. point where I, I think in, in, in the video of me, I actually say one at a time. <laughs> I found myself saying, wait, 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 one at a time. Yeah. Um, which is amazing because I wasn't, you know, thinking anybody's filming me. I'm just literally listening. And it was my, it was just my gut reaction, you know, yeah. to say, slow down one at a time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Which, you know, for me, that's a lot to say. So yeah, exactly. But, you know, just the chances, I immediately think, what are the chances that you're going to get proper names over and over again in succession on the radio, yeah. right? Yeah, like, you, you would you, get names for sure. Like, hi, this is Joe whatever, you know, on right. W whatever. And yeah. But you wouldn't get, like, in succession a whole bunch of first names. Right. And while especially while it's sweeping across multiple yes. stations. I mean, what exactly. are the odds of someone saying yeah. a name <laughs> and, that and many times? You know, a female saying Laura, a male saying Jim. You know, right. it was like, oh, everybody settle down, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one at a time um, kind of thing. It was overwhelming. So, yeah, definitely. Um, so there's that. And then I also want to say that the, the some of the claims in the Ritz Theater that we knew about were door slamming. Right. Yeah. Right. So I remember so, briefly hearing about that, but I think you, you probably heard or researched a little bit more about that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, some of the claims that the uh, not the owner, not the owner himself, had heard, but people had told him, is that they had right. doors slamming in the theater. 
So it gives us a lot to work, you know, to do a lot of work to do. Yeah. You have a lot of work yeah. to do there. Yeah. But I, I do like how we caught that door opening and we like I wasn't really too aware of doors slamming or opening or anything as like being a common occurrence. So that's just kind of instead of me going around looking for a door to open or close, we were just doing what we were doing. And it just so happened to have happened. It was casual. I mean, Albert just yeah. sat there looking like a movie star yeah. like, waiting for his call to get on stage. Yeah. Like he was just like. Yeah, just very calmly pointing his camera at the at the yeah, door. No way. I would have been like, <gasps> you know, and I love I love Shane. I think it's Shane's reaction. Yeah, yeah, she just that like, quick gasp. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what I would have done for sure. Yeah. Because you, especially because you know when you're investigating, you're in that zone, right? It's nice and quiet. Yeah. You're just listening for something on the, you know, yeah, on the box or the or the EVP. You're trying to do the EVP session. You're not paying attention to that door kind of thing. Right. So when right. it's you're, like you're, click click, you're like, whoa. Yeah, you right. guys were cool. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah in that situation, your senses are so dialed down for like the most acute exactly. thing that you hear something as loud as a door opening. It's pretty yeah. jarring. <laughs> exactly. You don't. You can't. Yeah, and I've said this in other um, podcasts. You can't really experience how loud that is in that yeah. silent theater. Totally silent oh, yeah. theater. Um, it's quite loud. So yeah. Um, exciting, exciting place. Great place. Can't wait to go back. Can't wait to uh, bring you more evidence from the Ritz Theater. Absolutely. I can't wait to get back there myself. I want to get back in that rehearsal room because that was a uh, an interesting experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. We encourage you to check it out. <laughs> definitely, everyone, come check it out. Come see it. It is a very fascinating place, whether you're into the paranormal or just history in itself. It's yes. There's a lot of history in that theater. 